Hello, hello, and welcome to Decaf, a production of the Beacon Center of Tennessee. Your favorite friends on a Friday, Mark and Taylor, are back with you. Mark, I see you're in a Utah Jazz hat. Do you have the Utah Jazz shirt today, or are you just keeping it neutral? Not today. I, mean, I, I got I to gotta mix it up so when they're doing really good, I can celebrate. So just the hat for today, but we're doing four and one. So things have gone very, very well for, for the Jazz. So I'm just trying not to get too excited. If things keep going well, your bank account's going to be going well. And I'm going to insist that you send me on a vacation because I feel like that's the least I deserve from having to hear you talk about it all the time. Yeah, so if they win their division, I win $31,000 on like a $60 bet. Um, yes, I will send you somewhere. <laughs> yes, send me send me anywhere. You're like, I'm going to send you into exile. It might be Cla- no. <laughs> Clarksville. Uh, but. Send me to Clarksville. I, you know what? I'll take it. I'll, I'll get out of Nashville any day of the week. Speaking of statewide things, going to Clarksville, we released a new report this week. We're just going to jump right into our, our content today. We released a new report this week about the return on investment of certain college majors and college degrees. There's been a lot of talk recently, especially about debt forgiveness, student debt forgiveness. I was very blessed and very fortunate to not have any student debt, but I know from watching my friends how crippling student debt can be with interest rates. And, you know, you commit to something. I have a lot of thoughts about this. You're committing to something at age 18 that you become financially responsible for right out of college. It's crippling. It's overwhelming. I have so many thoughts about taking on debt as an 18-year-old and having to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life as an 18-year-old. So many thoughts about that that I won't get into right now. But we were looking at some of the college degrees that are offered in Tennessee and and across the country, really. But we just took a close look at Tennessee because it pertains to us. And there are, if you can believe it, there are college, There are so many college degrees wherein the money that you pay to get the degree puts you in such a financial hole on the other side, can't get jobs, can't pay back your loans, putting taxpayers on the hook for these loans. It's very disheartening and disappointing. But on the flip side, there are other degrees that do offer an even better return investment than you could ever imagine. Mark, walk through some of the findings that we found in the report. And then let's talk about the implications of college debt and why we are even entertaining this this thought. Yeah, shout out to Jason Edmonds for writing the report and explaining everything to me. So I feel like I know more about this report than I do about most of our reports. Um, Beautiful. And kind of <laughs> to echo your point to it's, I mean, you know, I paid off my college debt, which was almost $100,000. You know, I made a mistake and paid it off about a year and a half ago before all everything was forgiven debt-wise right. um, because of that awful, awful, horrendous policy that the Biden administration put in, forgive debt, which is maybe the dumbest political and you know, just basic knowledge thing that I've ever heard. It's such a terrible policy. Um, yeah. But outside of that, <laughs> how it's, do you, it's, hey, it's, hey, Mark, how do you feel? Mm-mm. How do you feel about it? It's the dumbest thing that's ever happened. I can't believe <laughs> he did that. And it's, it makes no sense. But so one of the cool things is, you know, when I went to college, of course, I took on a lot of personal debt. And I, you know, I, I you know, almost 100 grand total, like I said, um, over years. And it was, it would have been really nice to be able to see what the college ROI was that I went to. You know, I'm very lucky. You know, I went to college. I had a job right out of college and basically I was able to, you know, do well, um, you know, pretty early in my career, but most people don't have that. Even so I still, you know, struggle where you're like, you owe 80 or 90 grand. And thankfully I didn't have to you know, pay all that right away. And, you know, my parents took some and then gave me some of that later on in life. But yeah. it was, um, it was, it's really hard to do. So this whole idea so that Jason hard. did this report in Tennessee of all public universities and public colleges, um, to see what their ROI on each major is. So you can say, hey, and basically the idea is if you're three years into your career, 
you should be making more than you owe in college debt per year. And and he kind of did the program to Tennessee. And truthfully, Tennessee did pretty well. Tennessee did do pretty well. 72% of programs in Tennessee public universities actually have a positive return on investment. That's a really good number. That's that's really good odds of going to college and having a positive outcome. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's really great. Now, 8% have negative ROIs. And when you talk about a negative ROI, that's a real problem because that means this is not just somebody saying, okay, I'm going to spend my money on this degree that is basically maybe not worthless, but certainly not worth what it is, but it's taxpayers. So as yeah. taxpayers, 8% is still way too high saying we are putting money into these degrees that A, don't help, you know, don't help taxpayers long-term and they don't help the students long-term. So those are things that, you know, according to Jason, it's like, those are things that the university needs to address because you should not have that kind of number of of majors that is just a, a bad ROI for your lifetime. Um, and then about 20% are kind of, you know, neutral where, you know, some are good, some are bad. It depends. Um, and, and that probably needs to be looked at by the universities. But of course, that's not as mm-hmm. much of an issue as some of the other ones, but just well, kind of go ahead. The, the, I'm looking at this chart now. So we have some charts on Facebook, on Twitter that give the top five worst return on investments and the top five best return on investments. It'll come at no surprise to any of you that the best return on investments are nursing programs and computer and information science programs. Okay. Best return on investment. Well, best return on investment is nursing. The top four are all nursing, actually. That's true. The top four are all nursing with number five being computer informational sciences. So that comes probably at no surprise to you guys. But looking at these returns on investment, the top five worst, the very worst return on investment is an anthropology degree from Middle Tennessee State University. Okay, let me just say this because I know my mom listens to this podcast. If I had gone to college and said, hey, mom, I'm going to study anthropology, she would have snatched me up, took me back to Anison and made me cut grass for two years until I figured out something better to do with my life. I understand having passions. I understand caring about things. Making anthropology your full-time job when there are so few things you can do with that. Professorships, very limited. There are so few things you can do. Also, general agriculture, that one surprised me. Here's one thing that you have not brought up. It depends what university. Some of these are very good programs at other universities. So like agriculture probably has a great ROI. What what specific university are you talking about? It was at Tennessee State University, the agriculture program at Tennessee State. So so TSU, their agriculture, but it doesn't mean that's a bad program generally. And that's what we see through this. Now, when you talk about like university of Memphis, I think they had drama, theater, arts, and stagecraft. That's probably going to be a pretty bad ROI anywhere you go. But yes. it, it, is, it is important to say that, you know, just because, you know, UT Martin might have some great program and, you know, Tennessee State might be good at something else, but it doesn't, it's each university, which is why this is important. It's not like this degree is bad. This degree is good. It's at this university, this is not a good degree. And you need to let your students know that before they're going there. Yeah. I think, I think the main takeaway here is that public universities, and Mark, you might have a main takeaway that's different than mine, but my main takeaway from this report was public universities don't have to be good at every single subject. You don't have to be, you don't have to have every single degree offer. You don't have to be good at everything. If you're offering a program where your debt to earnings percentage ratio is so way off that you are in over a hundred percent more debt from this job, you should not offer the college major. Students should go elsewhere and get a degree in something, get a degree in that elsewhere. Or if they're going to go to your school, be known for, be known for a certain thing that gives your child, gives your students a better chance out in the world. I don't know. What was your main takeaway, Mark? 
Well, Jason said something important too, because like these programs, we're giving these to the universities. They can see what programs aren't working, right? So they can see that like it's up to them to try to fix it, make it so that it can work. And then sure. ultimately, if you can't do that, it shouldn't be offered. And I want to say one thing. You talked about anthropology, how you know maybe that's not a great degree. I don't care if people go for anthropology, but go to a private school where you have to pay for it fully yourself. I just don't want yeah. tax dollars going to your anthropology degree or your whatever arts degree from Memphis. I just don't want that. That's where I'm at. And unless you know they they figure out a way where like you pay all of it. I just don't think taxpayers should be involved in these specific degrees that we know are bad investments, right? But again, I mean, we're also getting involved in the Titan Stadium, so we're, we're fine in, involving ourselves in what we know are bad investments. So I guess that's kind of consistent for the course. But it is important to say, hey, these are not great investments right now. Either find a way to fix it for your students and for taxpayers, or you know, the state legislature needs to take a look at it and say, if they can't fix it, is this something we should offer? Mic drop. Mic drop for Mark. Love that. Let's uh, let's zoom out a little bit. We, we've we been talking about Tennessee college majors not being a, a good use of money. Let's talk about something on the federal level that might not be a good use of money. I read in the Wall Street Journal just this morning, it came out just a few minutes ago, that the UN accepted climate change proposals from its member nations. And it did a study on those climate change proposals and found that in those proposals, by 2030, if all of the nations stick to those proposals, stick to those commitments that they've made, carbon emissions will actually rise by 11%. The whole thing about climate change is lowering carbon emissions because scientists believe that if we lower our carbon emissions, it'll stabilize our climate. I'm not a scientist. I don't have a clue. This is not me making a scientific argument. The argument that I think that is to be made here is the U.S. is putting so much money and so much effort and so much legislation and public policy into climate change. However, the rest of the world is not. And we hear it all the time, always chirping in our ears about climate change. We have to do what's right for the climate. China is by far by far and away, the largest producer of carbon emissions. And yet the U.S. is on the hook for it. There are so many proposals to fund programs and fund things to incentivize climate change. And yet we are making the one of the smallest footprints on it. And I just, I'm disheartened from a taxpayer perspective. Mark, are you as down in the dumps about this as I am. Yeah, I mean, first of all, let's talk about this. The UN is a powerless and useless organization. I, I don't I, I don't care about the UN at all. They're just, they're a joke. Um, so outside of that, I think when we talk about carbon emissions, when we talk about, you know, climate change, there's always, this is kind of the thing that people don't seem to understand is that there's trade-offs with all of these things. So I understand why you'd say, you know, I want to cut carbon emissions. I think climate change is contributing to this, this, and this. That all makes sense. But there's always trade-offs. You can say, I am doing that like I want to, I want to pass cap and trade, or I want to do all these things. Well, what is the negative effect of that? It makes you know people who can barely afford to pay you know the rent having to have higher electric bills. It means that you're going to have to higher gas bills. So, like I think with all of these, that's what we're really missing in kind of our political discourse generally is kind of figuring out the trade offs of every policy because every policy on each side has trade offs. There's no oh, this is a no brainer, great policy that has no negative impacts. That's never the case. So really I is. think that. Truly, the left has made this um, something that it's not. They, they've kind of lied to the American public and said, you know what? If we do this, it will have no negative ramifications. It's somehow, you know, we're going to put 600 million of taxpayer in this and it's somehow going to make, create more jobs, make everything better and not, not do anything but great things. Like they're living in a fantasy. It, it's not true. So it's more important to me that when we talk about climate, we talk about um, trade-offs. And if we do this, what does this do for that point? And if we're the only country doing it, 
guess what? It doesn't do anything. Even if you believe cutting, you know, carbon emissions will save the planet for us, it only matters if the rest of the countries do it. So meanwhile, we are basically tanking our economy because, I mean, that's what this is. It it is hurting our economy to do this, giving money to the rest of the world and putting all these, you know, carbon neutral, all these things that actually cost money. And a lot of times we have to give taxpayer subsidies to these, you know, green energy um, companies. So it's, it's this huge problem and we're the only ones doing it. India doesn't care. China doesn't care. You know, some of these other countries care a little bit, but like, again, the UN can't enforce anything. Oh, I'm going to do this point. I'm going to cut emissions 80%. Oh, you raise emissions 50%. Nothing we can do because we're useless. That's what it is. So, and, and like the US seems to be the only one who abides by what the UN says. I always say when I'm describing our podcast that it's just full of hot takes. If you're watching the video of this podcast, you probably just saw this. But if you're listening, when Mark said the UN is useless and went on a rant, I picked a really bad time to sip my coffee because I almost ruined my laptop. (laughs) Mark, that was one of your... One of my favorite hot takes that you've ever done. I used to romanticize the UN because Mary-Kate Nashley had a movie about <laughs> model UN where they went to London. And I really romanticized the UN. But the older I've gotten and the more that I've seen, I have realized that you're right. It is useless. What can they do? They really can't do anything. The US is going to come in and try to make good on our promises for better or worse. And the rest of the world is not. And if carbon emissions, listen, I am by no means a climate change activist. It takes up less than 1% of my brain space. I do love the planet and I do not like being hot. Do I think that we have anything to do with the climate cycles? I'm not convinced, but it really is disheartening to see that the number of carbon emissions is going to go up 11% by 2030 compared to where it was in 2010. If for no other reason, then I see how much the U.S. is trying and you see how little the rest of the world is. That's what hurts me is like, when are we going to get it that we're working on something that is a lost cause? That is, that's, that's my hot take on this. And I don't know if you have anything more to say, Mark, but my disheartenment comes from the fact that we're not we're not following indicators of where the rest of the world is as putting their brain power. I just think like you talk about this, my model UN is a disbanded UN. I know that's a little bit different, but like I wish that we would default. <laughs> Can we get like defund the UN shirts? Cause I feel like that is what I want. I, I, I cannot call your dad. I- I know he can do it. I, I hate it. Like I really, um, you know, I don't get that passionate about a lot of, you know, I don't, I don't think I know that much about a lot of international things where like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm the expert. I know how absolutely useless the UN is. And if there's one thing, and I don't care what the issue is. I don't care if it's climate change. Like it is just the absolute biggest waste of money I could possibly think of. And like you said, yeah, you can romanticize it in your head of like, Oh, if it was this and this, it could maybe be use, useful. It's not, it's not any of those things. Like yeah. what we, what we learned the UN is like as a kid, was all BS. It's a trash organization that needs to basically be gutted and started over. Okay, well, put Mark in charge. Uh, You know where else Mark needs to be in charge is the college football playoff committee. Now, I know that Alabama would never get a spot if Mark was on the college football playoff committee. But I do think, even though we are by no means experts in economics, Mark and I are not the experts, okay? I'm just going to put this out here. We're not the experts on things of public policy. We know a lot about it. We can talk about it because people smarter than us explain it to us. But one thing I think that Mark is an expert in sports and the numbers of sports. He he always does math for me. Every time I have a math problem, (laughs) I call him. Mark always is the math guy and the sports guy. So Mark, 
on based on that knowledge and the outstanding compliment I just gave you that you should be sitting up there on the college football playoff committee. You owe me for that too. I appreciate it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, what what are we looking at with college football this season? Where where are the standings? Where where do you see your money going? Well, um, Alabama has a bye this week, so you guys don't have to listen to me be insufferable and annoying about Alabama this week because I feel like I can breathe deeply and not be um, hyperventilating this week. So, Mark, where are we at? Let, let me first of all talk about Tennessee because uh, I feel like, you know, I actually, a couple of people texted me last week. I, you know, I was very negative towards them. I want to say one thing about them. I still don't believe in them fully. You know, I don't believe that they're this excellent team. One place that I'm going to be with Tennessee fans is I think you guys are underranked. I think Tennessee should be number one team in the country right now. I don't think they are the number one team in the country, but the whole point of this is based on what you've done, not what you think you're going to do in the future. And Tennessee has the best win against Alabama, right? They have a couple other mediocre wins. And I think it's a sham that the rankings are what they are. I think it should be, you know, I do think Georgia probably is third. And for whatever reason, Clemson has not looked great, but they have a bunch of quality wins. Clemson should be second instead of fifth. So I, I'm just kind of I'm upset at the committee for what they're doing. And that's why we're, we're in this spot where we're going to have four playoff teams. It's going to be a huge discussion. For whatever reason, the, the media hates the Big 12. They just don't want a Big 12 team in there. And I am, I'm excited for the 12-team playoff, but I don't know how this is going to look. I think Georgia is the best team in the country right now. And my kind of, I think, spicy hot take is that I don't think Tennessee or Ohio State is the second best team. Right. I think Michigan is playing such good football right now. Michigan is going to beat Ohio State at Ohio State. That's my prediction. It's a couple of weeks away, but Whoa. Michigan is, is a real team to watch out for. And I feel the same way we talked about this. The game of this week, I, I don't know if college game is going there or not. I think that for whatever reason, the media has kind of overlooked it. But Kentucky, Tennessee on Saturday is going to be a really fun game. Okay. And I, 12 and a half points is what they're giving them as a spread. So. My one bet this week, and I feel more confident than maybe anything I've done all week is, or all year, is taking Kentucky with the 12 and a half points. There's, I don't see any way they don't cover that. That is, that is a spicy hot take. That is a spicy chicken nugget, and I love it. Listen, nothing makes me happier. Okay, I'll say this. Tennessee losing is here. Auburn losing is here. Like the only thing that makes me happier than Tennessee losing is Auburn losing. So I would love to see Tennessee lose to a team like Kentucky, even though in my youth, I hated when Kentucky came to Tuscaloosa because I thought their fans were insufferable. Sorry, Justin. But <laughs> but I uh, I would take it. I would take Kentucky over Tennessee. I don't know if I'm going to bet. I've kind of sworn off betting this year because I continue to lose a lot of money because I bet with my heart and not with my brain. But I uh, I fully support your bet, Mark. Um, Can you I also tell you what's going to be okay. very fun for you because I think this is going to be the coolest yes. thing is the last week of the season for Alabama when you have a five and six Auburn team come to town and you can make them not make a bowl game you can knock them out of a bowl game that's gonna be really fun because Auburn's trash and you being able to just destroy them so they can't even go to a bowl game and have a losing record I feel like that's gonna be happy for you no matter what happens the other rest of the way Mark anytime you make me upset and you hurt my feelings I just need you to say Auburn is trash and you'll be automatically (laughs) forgiven in my heart mind body soul and spirit you will be automatically (laughs) forgiven I agree. And I think it's going to be a sweet, sweet victory. It's a beautiful thing. Anytime we can beat Auburn, I sleep very peacefully at night. Before we go, let's talk about some more hot takes, specifically on the part of my queen, Taylor Swift. I, I'm just, everyone on our staff gives me such crap about how much I love Harry Styles and Taylor Swift. And I don't care. 
Okay. I like to think that in my heart and soul, I am still 18 years old. I realize when I bend down to pick something up and my knees crack and my back cracks and everything starts to hurt and I feel like I need a winch to pull myself up off the ground, I am not 18. Okay. I know that I'm not 18. But in my heart and soul and my brain, I am 18. And when Taylor Swift came out with her new music this week or last week, last Friday, it was the best weekend of my life. The leaves are falling outside. I was blowing the leaves out of my yard and listening to Taylor Swift. It was beautiful. Now, it never ceases to be brought to my attention that Taylor Swift is very outspoken with her politics and she and I disagree on, you know, everything. Where I'm going with this is this question mark, and I'm going to let you take a stab at it because I cannot be impartial. How do you feel? What does it make you feel when celebrities get involved in politics? I think I have a different take than most conservatives (laughs) or even people right at the center of this. I just don't care. I I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's good. I'm not one of those people who boycotts people because like, especially actors, because they had this view I don't like. And truly, I I, I believe this to be true. And I've heard some people, I actually heard Rob Schneider kind of talking about it. It's like a lot of these people that are very outspoken about all their liberal cause and all these things. They don't necessarily vote what the way they talk, right? They they like to do that because it's important for them for their social stature and oh, to be in Hollywood and being part of these all these A list groups. I need to say oh, you know, um, President Trump's literally Hitler, blah blah blah, all all the stuff, all, all the stuff they talk about, but. I don't care. I think the only thing that I don't love is it does feel, you know, and I feel like I, I'm generally a pretty big defender of media um, compared to other people. This is the second week in a row I'm going to be taking a swipe at them is that it feels like right wing celebrities get a lot more you know, crap than left-wing celebrities where, you know, if it's a right-wing celebrity, it's, oh, they're unimportant, they're irrelevant, they don't matter, um, they haven't been famous in years, all they're saying is, you know, QAnon stuff, even if it should be just that, you know, I want lower taxes, and and, and, and we hear about how they're, uh, they're really greedy and selfish. We hear about that. Like, oh, oh, Phil Mickelson's moving to Florida because he wants to save money on taxes. What a greedy person, right? And we just, we keep hearing, that, that's what they keep saying. They say they want to keep, it's it's greedy. Um and even I don't know if you know who, who uh, Tyreek Hill is. He's a he's a really oh, good yeah. football player. I bet on him for the MVP a couple of years ago, and I didn't win. But oh yeah, he's never going to win MVP. Digress. But very good <laughs> football player. But they said about him. He said, "Why did you pick?" You know, I think it was the Jets. Why did you pick the Dolphins? Like, oh, state income tax. And and he got said greedy, rude, whatever. And it's just, um, I just think it's. I don't like the way that they treat these liberal celebrities as if they're selfless, you know, great human beings, while anybody who's right of center is a selfish piece of garbage who only cares about themselves because they don't want you to, you know, spend other people's money. Like, it, it's just this – I don't like the way it's framed, and I think it's unfair, and I think it's it, it really takes – especially these people who are, you know, maybe more right of center celebrities but are not necessarily Trump people. They just say, you know, I, I want lower taxes. I'm sorry. I want lower taxes. You spend my money like – you spend money poorly and I think I can spend it better than you. That's like, I don't understand why that's so selfish. And I think I'm tired of the double standard. That's I don't Taylor Swift can be an idiot. I don't care. She's allowed to be. It doesn't bother me at all. I, I wouldn't stop listening to her for that. I stopped listening because she's bad, but like, I don't <laughs> stop listening to her for that. Okay. Mark that hurt. You need to apologize with an insult to our Auburn. Um, I will say I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think what it shows me, and this is going to be really mean, but it shows me a certain level of ignorance when people say that, moving to a place where they can have more uh, discretionary income because of a lower tax burden is selfish because I feel like some some of the biggest earners are also the biggest givers. And when you are when you have more discretionary income to your name that you can spend, oftentimes these celebrities 
turn that toward charitable causes. So many celebrities are being so charitable. We see it all the time now with the charity golf tournaments and people giving to hospitals and causes because it is vogue now to be charitable. If you have money, you're expected to whom much is given, much is expected. And so you're expected to give. If a celebrity is moving from a place like California to Texas, Florida, Tennessee, in order to save that money on taxes, yeah, they might buy themselves a nice car, but they're probably also going to be giving more. And so I think it's quite the opposite of selfish. I really am tired of that standard and that narrative being perpetuated. Our Queen Taylor Swift, I do love her. I do think, I do wish that she had kept out of the debate sometimes just for my own heart because I grow weary of defending the celebrities that I like and saying like, can I not separate the art from the artist? Can I not? Like, it's not like they're going out and saying horrible things like we talked about last week with the LA City Council. They're just saying who they're voting for and who they support. I feel like I can still like, I'm still allowed to like their music. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, it does come down to me that I don't care. Don't you think that like, conservatives can also kind of like stop caring so much about this? Like they love to hammer this and they love to like, oh, this person's endorsed by all these Hollywood celebrities. They're like, it's like, just calm down. Like, don't get your panties in a bunch over this. Like, it doesn't matter. I, I feel like conservatives are so upset about it too. It's like, just let them do whatever they want. They're allowed to have an opinion just like you are. You can say they're uneducated. I, it doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want about them, but just let it go. Who cares? And, also, and pe- I mean, for me, like when someone tells me you shouldn't like this person because of their politics, I'm going to like them even harder because I'm defiant and that is a fatal flaw of mine. But when when you tell me not to like someone based on their politics, that is not a good enough reason for me. I'm sorry, it's not a good enough reason because I don't want someone to not like me because of my politics. I have faced it so many times, yeah. losing friends, having people say horrible things about me because of my politics. I would never treat another person that way. I'm just not going to do it. And I think there is people who are, who are celebrities who are jerks about it, right? They're like, oh, oh anybody. But oh, yeah. then there's, there's also people who are just like, you know, I, I believe in this. Like, I, I love Bill Maher. I actually just saw an interview with him and Stephen A. Smith. It's like, and they're very liberal people, but they're just fair about things. And that's all I want is somebody who's fair about things. And, you know, it doesn't treat the other side like absolute garbage. Like, even Matt Damon, he had this great, he filmed this movie Stillwater, had this great comment about like, yeah, you know, these Trump supporters are not what I thought they were. You know, yeah, I don't agree with anything they say, but these are good, nice people. And these people could not have been more kinder. And, and it's just, I think that as long as, celebrity comes up with like, oh yeah, I love all this. I want socialized medicine. Fine. You, you can believe whatever you want. As long as you're willing to treat the other side with respect and same thing for the right celebrities. I mean, we hear, I mean, if I hear another word about socialist from somebody who's not, a, they're not socialist. There is some Bernie Sanders is that right. These other people are not socialists. Like calm, just because they're left of you doesn't make them socialist. And I feel like that's what I hear from so many conservatives. Just let, let live and let live and let them believe whatever they want. You can like them. You cannot like them, but just stop caring so much about them. I love that. Why waste your brain power? I, I was talking to a, a, a my little girl that I mentored today, and I said, never give up your peace for someone else's. Just hang on to your peace and just keep it. And that's that's how I feel. So Taylor Swift, Harry Styles, I don't care what you believe. I still love you and I love your music. Mark, don't shake your head at me. I know you hate Harry. You got any final thoughts before we sign off for the week? Nope. Also, I love Adam Carolla. He's my number one like celebrity who talks the most about politics. I think he's the greatest. Just okay. I, I need to I need to listen to him because I don't know who that is. Uh, oh, he's, thanks- on the, he's on the Man Show. With Jim- Kimmel. He was like the oh. other guy on the man show, but like he's a very free speech guy. He's got his own show and he's on built, but he's awesome. He, I mean, he's right of center, but he's very fair about things. Okay. I love that. Send me a link. I'm going to listen. Uh, thanks for listening. You guys be sure to subscribe on Apple podcasts and Spotify, and we will see you next week. Hey.